Hi, I'm Sophia, and welcome to my first episode of Nobody Likes You podcast. Um, I work in mental health, if you didn't know that already, and studied psychology. So this is a psychology-based, but also about mental and physical health, probably. I'll touch on everything in that area. But today I'm going to talk about something that has been pretty heavy on my mind recently um, as well as something I've been reading about a lot which is the Madonna and the Whore Complex. If you don't know what this complex is, it was coined by Freud way back in the day in his heyday and um, the wiki definition is This psychological complex is said to develop in men who see women as either saintly Madonnas or debased prostitutes. Freud also wrote the quote, Where such men love, they have no desire, and where they desire, they cannot love. So pretty much this complex is that is when men categorize women in two distinct different identities one is like the madonna can't do anything wrong um and the other is the whore obviously uh no respect for her but usually the the other part of this is that men only experience the sexual desire for the whore and not the madonna So pretty much they're only attracted to women that they don't respect, that they um, see as promiscuous and untrustworthy, and the women that they have respect for, they don't have sex with. So I was looking into um, the possibilities that cause this, and of course society has kind of... um, occasionally blamed it on the influence of mythology and religious ideology instead of actual developmental disabilities, right? Um, So Freud argued that it was caused by Oedipal or castration anxiety. Um, Oedipal as in the Oedipus complex, which I'm sure most people are pretty familiar with. Um, In order to minimize that anxiety, the man categorizes the women into two different groups, Um, one being women that he can admire and the other being women he finds sexually attractive. Another theory is that it's caused by man's primary hatred of women, stimulated by the child's sense that he has been made to experience intolerable frustration or like narcissistic injury at the hands of his mother so it's really all um (laughs) based off of mother issues for the most part um lastly the split may have been caused when the sufferer is raised by a mom that is cold but overprotective so There's a lack of emotional nurturing, which strengthens this unhealthy tie between them, but she's overprotective, so um, he relies on her still. This kind of man will often date someone with very strong maternal qualities, 
um, hoping to fulfill a need for maternal intimacy that was unmet in his childhood. Um, but generally what happens is that he's getting that emotional um, fulfillment, but there's repressed feelings surrounding his relationship with his mother that prevents sexual satisfaction and sexual attraction to his partner now. So that's pretty much like the big idea of what this complex is and where it stems from. It's pretty much always some kind of uh, developmental mother issues. And a lot of uh, cultural icons have played around with this idea before. It's nothing new. Um, For example, the singer Madonna played around with merging the vision of the Madonna and the whore many times in her career. Um, She sang like a virgin and named herself Madonna, but simultaneously became a sex symbol of her time and published many books and photography and things about sex very uh out of the cultural norm of what was appropriate especially at the time um so it's not a new idea it's been very very apparent especially since uh probably in the last like 50 years another thing that has been uh really like making this more apparent to me recently is that there's this tiktok trend Right, that these girls are posting like, you know, like maybe he won't marry me, but he he'll be thinking of me in twenty years when he's bored with his vanilla wife. Like that's like a trend that's going around, and incredibly unhealthy to think of that like that, of course. Um, and this is unhealthy for the women to keep circulating because uh, it's really just gonna hurt them and strengthen the divide, right? But it's also, you know, a good example because it is uh, something that circulates where the man has been expected to marry the vanilla wife in the end and not end up with, like, the kinky, um, outright sexual girl, right? Right? Because they think of someone who's wife material as someone who's trustworthy and to them they equate that with lack of promiscuity. Which, you know, is really just slut shaming saying someone that's sexually active is untrustworthy. It's it's just like the divide again of like, oh, like that's the girl you go have fun with and this is the girl that you marry, right? It's also been a very common thing where men are very afraid of women that are uh, confident and outright and embrace their sexuality and aren't ashamed of it. It, with, With a fear that it will emasculate them, causing this like power struggle, right? Uh, The same thing is the same thing as how more women are getting into positions of political power. Um, And as that's happening, the more powerful men try to take that power away, which, you know, we can see as them overturning Roe v. Wade as well. And I read this um, on an article that I I read about this while I was like writing this outline. Um, The overturning of Roe v. Wade compartmentalizes 
women into Madonnas, who are the women who want to be mothers, who are seen as virtuous and worthy of good health care, and the whores who want sexual autonomy <clears throat> and rights over their bodies, and consequently, they, you know, they're being penalized. And um, now that I've kind of gotten through to uh, explain what the complex is, the causes, and the cultural references, and how it's been... Um, very influential to the people not only just like the people around us but the people that are controlling our politics um I'll get into how this has affected me personally because this is something that you know even before I kind of did the research and noticed more stuff like that it is something that I noticed in my personal life growing up so my first boyfriend in high school um my first like real boyfriend I guess um I was probably 17 and I met this like terrifying punk man right and I was like a year out of Christian school and I was rebelling against everything so yeah I was dating this guy that was he was like 19 I was like 17 so not you know a bad age difference but I was uh fresh out of Christian school and um had absolutely no experience um with sex or really with boys at all like I I had kissed a couple boys but that's about it and something I will always applaud this man for is that he uh refused to one give me any kind of substances besides some alcohol like I was that was fine whatever but you know he was uh he didn't give me anything else even if it was kind of around he would uh, not allow me to have that, um, which is good because I was 17, you know, I shouldn't have been doing that. But um, that and he also uh, refused to have sex with me because I was a virgin, I didn't have any experience, and I was 17. Um, Not that that was a bad age difference, I, you know, I don't think that that would I don't believe that that was like predatory if we did but we didn't um and of course at the time it made me feel bad because I was just like embarrassed of my lack of experience but I'm really happy and thankful that he didn't take advantage of that for me but it did reinforce this idea of me as pure and untouched within the circle I was around at the time and you know I think you know he kind of thought of me as that too but also in a protective way where he didn't want me to have a bad experience and I think he knew that he would not be um a good first experience for me so you know but so that was you know that was my upbringing and all my friends were having sex too i was like the only one that wasn't having sex and it came to a point where i just like wanted to get it over with you know i was like i just want to get this get this done with so i can't i'm not like the weird one that hasn't done anything when all my friends are fucking you know but i do you know i applaud him for that as well And that brings me to my first time having sex in my um, next relationship, which I don't, you know, I don't feel the need to get super into. It's not a super fun story to tell. 
Um, but it was very traumatizing and I was with this person for a couple years and um, the only thing I'll say on it is that uh, they really liked the idea that I had only been with them and they didn't and there was one time when, when they assumed I was lying that I had been with someone else and um, threw a whole meltdown about it when it wasn't even true right but you know because of that relationship I uh really wasn't as sexually active even after I got out of that um when I was single for like quite a while I dated someone else for a while but um when I was single for quite a while I was not very into hookup culture because you know trauma and not feeling uh safe enough and you know it it took many years for me to not have like panic attacks from that of course but so I just was not very sexually active and then when I met my last long-term partner we had a great relationship that I felt very safe in and that was very healing in that way but uh you know, after over a year of being together, I found out that he had been unfaithful for months, right? And <clears throat> his reassurance to me, and this is not to um, shit on him. Me and him are on good terms nowadays, um, and I know that he has uh, grown a lot since then. And that this was, you know, almost two years ago now. It was a long time ago. But um, his reassurance to me was that he only viewed her as a sexual object. How they didn't kiss and it was strictly sexual and there wasn't (laughs) even kissing, right? Um, And that didn't make me feel better necessarily. It was very much, and you know, I knew the girl too and she was pretty promiscuous, um, and I knew that the guys really viewed her as that. And, you know, he had had not spoken of her very respectfully. Um, and so it kind of gave me insight into that. And, you know, me and him, we had a really good friendship. Our relationship was mainly based out off of being very, very close friends and um not based around sex at all and I think that's what was ultimately healing for me but then I believe I took kind of the Madonna role um not that he couldn't view me sexually but he couldn't view me sexual enough for him because I also had not had sex with a lot of people at that point I believe he was like like maybe the sixth person that I had slept with ever um and I had told him that, you know, and he said, you know, he he liked the idea that I hadn't slept with a lot of people and was honest about that. Even even though the reason was because I was traumatized, um, but he felt at the time, you know, again, I've, he's grown a lot, um, so this isn't against him, but it, he said that it made him trust me more that I wasn't so promiscuous right 
Um, and, you know, a long time after that, when we broke up, it also kind of confirmed the idea that I wasn't sexual enough for him and in that relationship. And I was al- already, like, insecure about that, you know. I uh, had dealt with a lot, and I wasn't very sexually driven. But, yeah, so after that, you know, obviously that, like, really broke my heart, but after that, I, uh, decided that the whole Madonna thing isn't working for me, so I became the whore, and so (laughs) at this point, you know, I really didn't want to face my feelings, so I just started partying hard, um, and not too long after that, I also, you know, I just, I decided, I was like, this is what I'm going to do now because that's not working for me. Being like someone that's like pure and untouched and, you know, trustworthy in their eyes because of that, which is, is not a gauge on someone's trustworthiness. But I was like, no, this isn't working for me. I need to be promiscuous. I need to keep them on their toes because since I'm being blindly faithful to these men that I would do anything for and they will not return that favor, (laughs) I am not going to do that anymore. So, you know, I went on Tinder, obviously, because what else are you going to do in this day and age? Um, And so I found like the hottest man literally I've I have ever seen um he's still my friend nowadays <laughs> he's still my friend yeah no he's great but <clears throat> we went on a date and I was like already drunk before the date right and we went on this like nice date he was pretty quiet but he's really sweet and um walked to like a restaurant down the street from my house my cat followed us and like sat down next to us outside at the table and I was like this man thinks I'm crazy and I was also like I wouldn't shut the fuck up because if someone's quiet I just will not stop talking I like need the silence filled right um so I just wouldn't shut the fuck up my cat was sitting with us and people were coming up and petting my cat and I was kind of drunk too you know I was already pretty drunk um I don't know if he knew that (laughs) I don't think I ever told him that but maybe he could have he could tell um but yeah and then we hooked up that night and you know beautiful wonderful time so it it was an overall it was a very good experience overall right but a couple days later we had like a party at our house and I thought it was um, a little too like soon to invite him to a party. So I didn't invite him, but I had like one of my guy friends was there and um, he, he, we were talking, we were catching up. We had both gone through breakups recently. So, you know, we were talking about it, but it wasn't like romantic in any sense right and me and this guy me and this my friend had 
hooked up before, but like years and years and years ago. Um, it was like the second person I'd ever slept with. And um, so it just like was not the vibe, was not the case. I was not flirting. We're, it was just not it, right? Um, but I told him about the guy that I had hooked up with and his demeanor, my friend, my friend for years, my friend for like six years at this point, um, his demeanor to me completely changed after I told him about this. <clears throat> it was like he was, he had always seen me as the Madonna and not the whore. And the second I told him about all of this, that switched. And I saw the switch in him, right? And, you know, he ended up pulling some not okay stuff that night. And that's why we're not friends anymore. It's like the second I told him about something promiscuous that I did, he instantly lost respect for me and saw me as a sexual object and not his friend that he loved and respected for many years before that. So that made me not really want to do it anymore, even though I did keep, (laughs) I uh, didn't really revert back to not hooking up with anyone, but I also like, I mellowed out a little bit. I didn't go as uh, crazy as I initially planned after that because that was also very traumatizing so I've I've experienced a lot from uh this complex and I didn't even understand that it had a name for it for quite a while um and then once I kind of heard about it I was like oh well you know what that is something I have experienced quite often in my life um but it's really important for us to work on changing that script. Um, Obviously, there's not much that we can do about how our friends' mothers treated them as kids. Um, That's pretty, you know, out of our control. But it's important to talk about it and to be aware of it and to have healing relationships, right? There's a lot of studies done on this, actually, that I was reading about that show people that have, you know, this kind of goes without saying, honestly, but it was relevant in some of the articles I read, but people have adopted, that have adopted ideals of feminism and equality have overall more satisfaction in relationships after letting go of that uh complex and that um division as they view women but the men that have adopted that complex and their partners tend to be ultimately unhappy in their relationships right um changing this thought process and healing this complex and being aware of it will save women from suffering and also save men from the bind of toxic masculinity and the fear of being emasculated and this will allow them to have more sexually satisfying and emotionally nurturing relationships so that was a little rundown of something that i've been um reading about and thinking about 
and seen in my life as relevant for a long time now, but um, a lot recently. And now that I, I work in, in mental health and deal, you know, I work directly with patients that are on psych holds and um, or just like check themselves into uh, crisis help. And so it's very often that things like this kind of come up, even if they don't know the names of it. Um, so I'll probably be making more podcasts about different things that come up as relevant that I uh, think about and look into more. Um, but for now, this is this is going to be it. Um, have a good night. Thank you for listening.